Good evening, everyone. As promised, this week we move into the bacteriological era. To be fair, the first discoveries of pathogenic microscopic organisms happen in the early 1800s, but for the sake of narrative cohesion, I haven't really mentioned them yet. But let's go back and cover a bit of that now. One early example was Augustino Bassi, who was studying diseases not in humans, but in silkworms. A disease known as muscardine was causing massive economic damage to the silk industry, and so Bassi was trying to figure out how to prevent it. Over many years of study, Bassi managed to figure out that the disease was communicable and could spread long before it actually killed the silkworms. Using microscopes, he also identified the causative agent of the disease as a parasitic fungus, which spread by contact in infected food. It took a whopping 20 years of study, but Bassi did develop ways to prevent the disease and presented his findings in Paris in 1834. He basically then assumed that all transmissible disease was caused by living parasites, which is right in some instances at least. Other scientists in the ensuing decades began to discover microorganisms related to other human diseases, like protozoa or other fungi. In 1850, bacteria were added to the list of potential disease organisms when scientists Pierre Rayet and Casimir Joseph Daven experimented with anthrax in sheep. They first identified the responsible bacteria in a blood sample from a sheep that had died of the disease, and then they injected healthy sheep with blood from the infected sheep, which makes me sad, but does represent an important scientific discovery. However, the theory that the growth of germs in the body caused disease was still not really catching on. While it had been proven that parasitic fungus were responsible for certain diseases, many diseases had no such organism identified. At the time, many scientists considered germ theory to be a dying hypothesis that would soon bite the dust. Clearly, that is not quite what happened. The comeback of germ theory really gets going with the work of Louis Pasteur, We've briefly discussed him before, but it's really important here, too. Basically, Pasteur's just always important to almost any medical history. Pasteur's work is broad and varied, but he was incredibly interested in the problems that had massive economic impact, like the fermentation processes in creating certain foods and drinks. In the 1860s, he investigated different types of fermentation, including the process of creating alcohol, and figured out that each had a corresponding organism which actually made the relevant chemicals. By showing that these organisms are responsible for fermentation, he improved food processing for milk, wine, and other things, and it became much less of a stretch that microscopic organisms might also be responsible for disease. Pasteur was then called upon to investigate silkworms. It seems silkworms were just coincidentally really important in forming our understanding of germs. A new epidemic had struck the silkworm nurseries of France, bringing economic ruin to those regions. France wanted their best scientists on the job, and so in 1865, Pasteur dropped his work on fermentation to investigate this silkworm disease, which actually turned out to be two diseases. In two years, he proved also that these were caused by microorganisms, and after a third year, he had figured out how to control the diseases too. Pasteur apparently worked much faster than Bassi, and he saved the silk industry of France, and again, silkworm disease provided evidence that diseases were caused by germs. By the 1870s, it was somewhat clear that microbes were at least related to disease, but there was still a missing link, in that it wasn't shown that the microbes alone could cause the disease, they were just always around whenever there were sick people. Understanding of the microbes themselves was also pretty bad. Some scientists of the time thought, for example, that microbes could be converted into other types, or even that there was just one type of microbe that caused all diseases. 
Bacteria were classified as plants for a while, which is not quite right either. However, to get a better understanding of microbes, you need to have isolated cultures of bacteria or viruses or whatever pathogens you want to study. Pasteur, among other scientists, tried for many years to grow bacteria in isolation, but failed. In the 1870s, Ferdinand Cohn and Joseph Schroeder finally made some progress. Cohn was actually a professor of botany, who was interested in bacteria because of their perceived plant nature. Lucky for us, though, he recognized that there was a lot of confusion around how to classify bacteria, and Schroeder went to work trying to grow them en masse. The big innovation, which probably doesn't sound all that big to us, was using solids to grow bacteria on. Past scientists had tried to grow their isolated bacteria in liquids, but Schroeder and Cohn used potatoes, flour paste, meat, or eggs, and found a lot of distinctly colored bacterial colonies. Basically, they just ruined a bunch of food and watched it, but for science. However, the far-reaching applications of these techniques were not yet fully realized. In 1876, a country doctor named Robert Koch demonstrated the life cycle of the bacteria that causes anthrax. We mentioned it earlier, and while Devane's studies had shown that rod-shaped organisms were in the blood of anthrax-infected animals, much was still a mystery. Koch set up a laboratory in his house, which is a little crazy, and then spent his free time between working with patients in his normal job to do experiments. Also a little crazy. He infected 20 generations of mice with the disease to prove its transmissibility, he grew and observed the deadly bacteria in his house, and he discovered that the anthrax bacteria had a dormant, more resilient spore phase. And finally, he showed that the isolated bacteria alone could produce the disease in an animal. For the record, please do not grow anthrax at home, nor inject it into anything. Coke took his findings and presented them to Cohn, among other scientists, who were all quickly convinced that the bacteria was truly responsible for the disease of anthrax. From there, the news slowly but surely spread. As it became clearer to scientists that microorganisms were often responsible for disease, this opened all kinds of new avenues for scientific discovery. Although Koch and Cohn contributed lots already, there was still tons of work to be done as far as growing, handling, and understanding bacteria. In that department, Koch put in even more work. He first tried to grow bacteria in gelatin, but then replaced it with auger at the suggestion of a co-worker's wife. For those of you not in the know, auger is a jelly-like substance made from algae that is almost now universally used for growing bacteria. If you've ever heard of an auger plate or a pichu dish and seen the kind of clear goopy stuff on the bottom of it, that is auger. It's been about 150 years since this discovery, but auger is still in use today to grow bacteria pretty much worldwide, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. There is also now a race to figure out the organisms responsible for specific diseases. From 1880 to 1898, just about two decades, we discovered the organisms responsible for typhoid, leprosy, malaria, tuberculosis, glanders, cholera, streptococcus, diphtheria, staph, strep, tetanus, E. coli, pneumococcus, malta fever, soft chancre, gangrene, plague, botulism, and dysentery. Whew. That list alone averages about two new organisms a year, which is crazy fast, considering a few decades before this, germ theory was dying. So, by the end of the 1800s, we have come a long way in our understanding of germs and disease. We figured out that microscopic organisms, including fungi and bacteria, could cause disease in bigger living organisms. For the first time, bacteria could be grown by itself in isolation, which opened up the possibility of new experiments. And new microbes responsible for the world's most devastating diseases were being discovered left and right. 
These are going to enable much better understanding of how disease works, and therefore how to prevent its spread too, which is what we'll talk about next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're enjoying the show, which I hope you are, please let me know with the links in the show notes. And if you're not, please also use those same links to tell me why so I can get better. Thanks also to my editor, Jojo Tang, our cover artist, Angie Lee, and Muse Open for our intro and outro music.